I was really struggling. I I did a lot of things to distract me at the time, which worked temporarily. But as we all know, loss and grief just sits there patiently waiting for you to stop with all the crazy noise and lean into it and process it. It does not just disappear and go away on its own. So after a few years of bad behavior that was just about distraction and, and avoidance, I finally realized I had to process all of this loss and grief and talk about not fun. Uh, it was really bad. So bad that one day I called my best friend up and I said, I think there's something seriously wrong with me. I was in tears. I said, I think I, think I might be clinically depressed. It's so bad. So bad that I woke up this morning and I opened up a Word doc on my laptop and I started writing down everything I was grateful for. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share new and different ways to practice gratitude that you might not have thought of before. Our guests come from many different and diverse backgrounds, and the one thing they all have in common is a passion for gratitude. I'm Julie Boyer, a gratitude and gut health expert, and I love showing you different ways to practice gratitude that you might not have thought of before. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here for another interview episode of the podcast. Today, I've got Jacqueline Perez, but we call her Jack, and our conversation is pretty wide-ranging, but if you are a person who is in their 40s and 50s dealing with the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause and wondering how we can connect gratitude to all of that, This episode is for you. Jack is the founder of CoolLife.com, and she's all about normalizing aging. Many of the things that we deal with when we're 40 and older seem like we're sick or things aren't working, or sometimes we might even think we're going a little bit crazy. And what Jack and her team of experts help us to understand that what's happening to us during this time of menopause and perimenopause is normal, and we can get help to feel more like ourselves. We talk also about Jack's incredible journey with gratitude and her decades-long practice. Before we get into this wonderful interview with Jack, I have a favor to ask. Have you taken a quick moment to follow the podcast on whatever app you're listening to? It can be as simple as clicking on the follow or plus button to add the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast's to your podcast list. This also means you're not going to miss any of our episodes. I release an episode every Tuesday, and I don't want you to miss any of them. If you've already done that, I'd love it if you'd take just one more moment of your time and give the podcast a five-star review. Now, if this is your first time here, maybe listen to the podcast before giving it five stars. Overall, the overwhelming majority of people who rate the podcast do give it a five-star review. Thanks, friends, for your support. I truly appreciate it. And it helps this podcast to be seen by more and more people who are looking to be grateful. Friends, let's get right into this episode with Jack Perez, founder of CoolLife.com. Hello and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye. And today I'm welcoming Jacqueline Perez, but we call her Jack. She is just an amazing, incredible person. And I'm so glad to have you here today. So welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you, Julie. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm super excited about our conversation. Yeah, it's amazing. We were connected years ago, um, like over a year ago, by um, a, a friend in common, but then also through you know your podcasting service. So it's really cool how we have come here to meet today and have this conversation. Now, for those who have not yet had a chance to meet Jack, Jack is a pro-aging champion. She promotes normalizing aging for women through curated content and women-driven brands. With over 55 cool category thought leaders and 40 women-driven brands, Cool Life offers women an opportunity to share, learn, shop, and play with our second act, sisters. (laughs) Um, Having earned an MBA from the University of Chicago, uh, Jack carries a hard-nosed business understanding to the entrepreneur world. And Jack loves to travel, spending time with her son, traveling to exotic places all around the world. So I have so many things that we're, we can talk about. And I know that you have a really deep connection to gratitude, which is, of course, why you're here. But as always, I love to give readers you know, a little bit more of your story kind of behind the bio. So tell us a little bit about Jack. I'd love to, Julie. Thank you for asking. Um, sort of in a, in a nutshell, uh, you know, I'm I'm almost, I'll be 59 this summer. And I think like a lot of us women in this midlife and beyond space, earlier in my 50s, I had a, a an aha moment. I had a realization that I wasn't particularly thrilled with the direction that I was embarked upon at that time. And I also had some huge physiological shifts because of menopause, which every other human on the planet goes through, by the way. It shouldn't be a big deal, by the way. (laughs) It should not be a mystery. And um, I think the sort of the culmination of these physiological changes and my frustration on working on solving them and then really thinking through, well, who else, who else is in this boat? How many of us are, are, you know, navigating these waters today and struggling because we don't have all the information at our fingertips. And I'm not talking just about the physiological change, although that was, I think the most glaring wake up call for me, because it was hard to avoid when I didn't feel like myself, it was in my face all the time. It was very hard to pretend it wasn't happening. But there are a ton of other challenges and opportunities that present themselves during this phase of life, which I believe we need more support on and more information about and to know that we're not alone. And that's part of what my mission is in normalizing aging by definition is getting the information out there. So it's not weird. It's not unusual. It's normal. And we know it's normal. And that's kind of how I got on this crazy bandwagon of being a pro-age champion, Julie. Yeah, I love that you call yourself that, a pro-age champion, especially in a world where the majority tends to focus on, you know, how can we minimize aging? How can, you know, and it's like everything goes downhill after menopause, which we're learning that that's not true at all, right? You know, what would you say? Like right now, there's many of my listeners are women. Uh, The majority of the listeners of the podcast are women. 
And a good portion of them are over the age of 40. So right in that sweet spot of people that you connect with and that are going through these symptoms. And so what would you say to someone right now who's like, oh yeah, you're talking about me exactly. And I I actually don't even know what direction to look at or where to start to feel more supported or even to start feeling more like myself. Yeah, no, that's a that's a real legit legitimate claim because I realize now in hindsight that I was already exhibiting perimenopausal symptoms in my 40s. The fact that your audience is mostly female and 40 and above, yes, these women are are probably experiencing some symptoms that they might just not be able to identify because it's not super obvious. And unfortunately, the medical community doesn't have the information. We weren't in clinical trials until the 1990s. You know, the, a woman's body and our physiology is just not well known. We Doctors today, um, older doctors, did not get the education. And in all honesty, they just don't know. And so they just swept everything under this sort of menopause, change of life experience and you know, let's not let's not dig in and see if we can actually solve some of the issues that arise that can arise. Now, not everybody goes through a terrible situation through menopause. Some women go through it and didn't even realize it happened. Yeah, I guess, you know, we have those people who get COVID and don't realize it happened. We have people who go through menopause and didn't realize it happened. But many of us are far too aware of that it's happening and wreaking havoc. And we should have the information at our fingertips so that we can do things, take steps to help ourselves so that we can be our best selves. And one of the things that I highly encourage your listeners, if they are in this place right now, you know, just if you just want to go to Cool Life to begin with, which just go to that website, it's free and go to the about page and look at the women who are writing on these topics because they will lead you in the right direction to dig further into getting more information. And I'm I'm sorry to report it's still going to take some heavy lifting on your on your part as an individual woman to get this information. It took me a lot of digging and a lot of interviewing different doctors to finally find a path that worked for me. It was not something that was just handed over to me easily. And it was like, oh, you know, insert tab A into slot B and everything will be better. Nope. There was a lot of try this, try that. Oops, that didn't work. Oh, that's actually worse. Oh, wait, that could be that could be working. Wait, no, false alarm. So you have to be somewhat patient with yourself, but know that there is way more information out there now than there ever used to be. And we're proliferating the marketplace with even more information and more resources so that you don't have to go through this alone. Yeah. And I appreciate that you have brought that information together because that's often the hardest thing is just finding all of the pieces of information and things that we feel like might not be related to what we're going through is actually really related, but no one's talking about it. You know, one thing for me is I experienced surgical menopause. So I went from having endometriosis and horrendously ill, like just terrible periods and all of these things. And then literally with, you know, the next month, 
nothing because I had a complete hysterectomy. So there was a huge adjustment. And what's interesting, you talk about doctors. I mean, there's no, there's no post-operational like guidance at all about all the things that are happening to your body of having hormones one day and just not the next. So it's as a personal, and I think what you said too, is that about the personal part of it, finding your own personalized path and solution is critical and important to know that what has worked for you may not work for me and vice versa. And that that doesn't mean what you're going through is wrong or bad. It's just that our physiology is just absolutely different. So really great, helpful guidance uh, for those listening that you know need a place to start. So thank you. I appreciate that. That was great. My pleasure. I mean, anything I can do that would mitigate the, the path of another woman and make it just more streamlined so that they can get from problem to solution, maybe a little quicker than I did, I, I would do anything to help another woman shorten the, the process of problem to resolution because it was, it was miserable and it was taxing and, and it was um, not fun. It was not fun. Not going to lie. Not fun at all. So one of the reasons, Jack, that you and I connected, of course, is that you have the word gratitude tattooed on your body. (laughs) And I, when we connected, I asked you not to share this story with me before the podcast, because I love to hear people's stories about gratitude kind of for the first time at the same time as our listeners. And So I want to give you some space to share that with our listeners and why you decided to, you know, make the word gratitude a permanent part of your beautiful aging body. I would love to, Julie. Years ago, years ago. So like I said, I'm 58. I'll be 59 this summer. I went through a separation and a divorce in my early 40s. I was really struggling. I I did a lot of things to distract me at the time, which worked temporarily. But as we all know, loss and grief just sits there patiently waiting for you to stop with all the crazy noise and lean into it and process it. It does not just disappear and go away on its own. So after a few years of bad behavior that was just about distraction and, and avoidance, I finally realized I had to process all of this loss and grief and talk about not fun. Uh, It was really bad. So bad that one day I called my best friend up and I said, I think there's something seriously wrong with me. I was in tears. I said, I think, I think I might be clinically depressed. It's so bad. It's so bad that I woke up this morning and I opened up a word doc on my laptop and I started writing down everything I was grateful for. And my friend kind of chuckled a little bit under her breath. And she said, P, because she calls me P, which is short for Perez. She goes, P, I don't think clinically depressed people can muster up a gratitude list. Why don't you read it to me? And I started reading it to her. And I realized that I was circumstantially depressed. And I had every reason to be and every right to be. But that the, the ability for me to take an ever, and it still sits on my laptop today. It's an evergreen document. I open it up whenever and I add stuff to it. And it's silly things like, I am grateful for 
you know, my hot cup of coffee in the morning. Now, of course, stuff is on there. Like, I'm grateful that I'm a healthy human. I'm grateful that I have a healthy, happy son. I'm grateful, you know, but the the reality is that what I learned during those moments, which were pretty bad moments, I mean, probably the worst moments of of my life, some of the worst moments of my life, was that there was so much power, chemical power, real medicinal power in creating a I am grateful for document and writing out the most banal sentences that you would think, why would you even bother to pull those out? I am grateful for the purring kitty that is sitting on my leg right now. I mean, things like that. Well, when I, even when I say it now to you, I feel good. And how could I not feel good? And so I learned really early on in that process that being very intentional with the word I am grateful for, or I have gratitude about what that did to me chemically. Well, I wanted it all the time. And so what better way to have it all the time than I don't carry my laptop around me all the time, but you know what I carry around with me all my time, all the time, my arms. (laughs) So I had the word gratitude inscripted on the inside of my right wrist. Nobody sees it. I mean, because you really, how often do you see the inside of somebody's wrist unless you are literally showing it to somebody intentionally? Never did it for anybody else. I did it for me. And now it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what the moment is. All I have to do is turn my hand over and take a quick glimpse. And all of a sudden, it's that chemical reaction happens in my brain. And that's and that's where it came from. I mean that that's the whole premise. That that is that that's the or, origin of of how it how it got to me uh, got to be part of my physical being. And that's going to be more than a decade ago for you. Uh, yes, uh, that was almost yeah. two decades. <laughs> wow, it's almost weeks ago. <laughs> It's interesting what your friend said about, you know, if you were clinically depressed, you wouldn't be able to find gratitude. I would argue that in sometimes in those darkest, deepest places, because, you know, I've interviewed quite a number of people on this podcast. Several of them have said in that deepest, darkest moment was that what got me out of it was that something somehow I just found something to be grateful for. And do you remember, maybe it's been, you know, almost two decades, like I, you said, but do you recall, like, what did you, had you read something about gratitude? Was there like a, a, um, an inkling that you needed to do this? Like what prompted you in that time? You're going through all this, this really horrible time, something prompted you, maybe you don't remember it to just write and start talking about your gratitude. So I, I can't specifically recall a, a particular idea or a particular notion. What I recall, Julie, is feeling desperate. Mm-hmm. It, it was an act of desperation. Okay, what is going on with me? What? 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 Why am I so broken? Why can't I get out of this? What can I do? I, I'm a person who fancies herself that she has way more control than she really does, but. <laughs> Hey, we all, we all tell ourselves lies every single day. That's one of the ones that I tell myself. (laughs) Mm. And I think in part, 
that need to control, that need to quote unquote fix myself made me start to just dig into anything I could get my hands on as far as, well, well, that didn't work. What could I do now? And, and okay, I, I've let myself cry. I've, I've let myself, I've forced myself not to cry. I have, you know, been by myself. I have forced myself to be with people. I, do you know what I mean? Like I was just much in the same way that when I hit menopause and I was like, just made a list of everything I could possibly do to try to resolve the issues. I think it was a mere act of desperation. Who knows what I read or what I heard or where I picked up an idea. It must've been in there somewhere buried. And I'm very grateful (laughs) that I had it in there because it literally changed the trajectory of my life. And it also has kept me on a path where I believe that for the most part, I can't see the downside of things Mm. or I choose not to see the downside of things. A a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I had a skydiving accident where I ended up with three compression fractures in my back. I thought I was paralyzed. My whole life turned upside down, but there were so many amazing gifts that came out of that episode that while I would not recommend it and I wouldn't go back and sign up for it. And I certainly wouldn't say, oh yeah, let me jump out of that airplane and break my back again because that was super fun. I don't regret it happening at all because I walked away with gifts that I didn't have before and that wouldn't have come any other way. And so I believe that that change in my attitude about gratitude and really looking for it in all of the scenarios is in part why I'm a fairly optimistic person and an internally content and happy person, even when I'm miserable. Mm. (laughs) If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, What's interesting, the accident that you had that almost paralyzed you and that you still, your gratitude practices were still there. You know, I'm in the middle, I'm doing some writing about right now about gratitude and trauma and how, how important it is for us to have gratitude practices in place in our life because trauma will happen in our lives again and again. We don't know when, we don't know how, but it will happen. And having that foundation in place allows you to take a situation which is traumatic, life-changing, and yet moments of gratitude can be found within that time. And like you said, and also looking back and saying, I wouldn't change a thing about that experience. You know, from my own personal story, you know, after I had a, a second miscarriage, and I ended up uh, after you know surgery um, with a life-threatening bacterial infection that put me in a coma for a week. And waking up after almost losing my life and being in a coma for a week, I chose to wake up with gratitude. It wasn't easy. I would not recommend that to anybody. Being in a coma for a week, your body doesn't really work afterwards. So it was very, very, very difficult. And at the same time, it's that ability to 
that gratitude just goes to a deeper level because it's like, I almost lost my life. You said you almost were paralyzed. Life-changing incidences and gratitude weaved into how we deal with them. I I agree a hundred percent because you can't stop life from happening. You can't protect yourself and shield yourself from every single potential mishap. And when I use the word mishap, I mean, being in a coma for a week, that's way good. That's not a mishap, right? I mean, that's, that's a, that's life-threatening, uh, having your back broken in three different vertebrae, you know, for three different, uh, vertebrae, a little, little more severe than a mishap, but, but it shouldn't matter whether it's you spilled the coffee on the floor and now you're pissed off because there's hot coffee all over the floor and you've got to clean it up or you've, you've been in a coma for a week. It's still your choice. Mm -hmm. It's still your choice. What you want to do with that and how you want to react to it and what you want to take away from it. Yeah. And um, I tend to gravitate to people who despite being in a coma for a week can wake up and say, Hey, I'm glad to be here and look at all the great things that have happened while I was sleeping. Somebody cleaned the toilet for me. So that's good. So I didn't have to do that. (laughs) There was a a lot. I didn't, I didn't have to cook dinner. I didn't have to clean anything for a couple months. I was waited on hand and foot. You know, I've never had that experience before. That was interesting. Yeah. And it's not minimizing the trauma or pain that we went through. It's making the experience palatable. It's making the experience, you know, taking us in because experiences like we've had and like many listeners I'm sure have had of trauma can take you in one of two ways. You can grow, you can have post-traumatic growth, or you can have post-traumatic stress and, you know, live in a world where things are just not working out, or you can live in a world where you grew from that trauma. Nobody wants trauma. We're not asking for trauma, but you, you know, I resemble that comment about wanting to be in control of everything when in reality, there's very little that we do control. And so allowing the way that we think when we're going through these situations as it sounds, it doesn't, it sound odd though, when you talk about like you went through a horrible, difficult, scary thing. And at the same time, you were thinking about gratitude. Yes. It it does sound almost oxymoronic. Like yes. How, yeah. how is that even possible? Yeah. But it is. Yeah. It's that muscle it you had possible. built. And you had built that muscle over time. Okay. I I apparently wanna... almost two decades you brought it to my attention. <laughs> so okay, I want to ask a question that's related back to what you were saying about perimenopause and everything. Okay. So this might be totally out of left field, but it's something that I read recently that when we're in perimenopause, it sometimes the hormonal situation has it so that we like, we're no longer feeling any attraction or affection for our partner. And often women who are in perimenopause end up leaving their, I'm not saying this is your specific relationship, but I don't know if you've heard about this, like where women leave their marriages in their early forties. And part of it is because they're not being treated for perimenopause and they're just not feeling themselves. And they think 
it's their marriage. So I don't know if, if kind of looking back, cause you said at the beginning of the conversation that you had symptoms earlier. Do you think in a way that kind of played a role in, in maybe that if, situation? If, you're que- if your question is if hormones played a role in my decision to leave my marriage, I hundred percent believe that hormones played a role. hundred percent believe hormones played a role. Mine were, my, my situation was a little more complex in that I had a miscarriage, a second, I had a miscarriage after my son. And I a hundred percent believe that I figuratively went crazy, like hormonally went crazy when my body lost that baby, but it didn't stop doing whatever it was that it was doing to make a baby because the body doesn't get the message right away. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that that hormonal shift caused a, 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 caused me to lose my sanity, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, for that period of time. And it, it did not allow me to see things very clearly. That being said, that what you, what you alluded to about women feeling like they're not attracted to their primary partner anymore. And yes, statistically speaking, the largest number of divorces, Julie, are initiated by women after 50. And it has a lot to do with um, women are also leaving the workforce after 50. Women are misconstruing their menopause and perimenopause symptoms as far graver problems such as early onset dementia. So that's one of the reasons they're leaving the workforce. We also start to lose our, as our estrogen depletes, we start to lose those quote unquote maternal instincts. And I use the word word maternal in quotes because some of those instincts are also the same instincts we have towards our primary partner of wanting to be nurturing and taking care of them, et cetera. And we start to lose some of that nurturing instinct because we don't need it anymore. Once we've finished with our biological imperative, we don't really need to suckle anyone anymore. That part has come and gone. Now, as we start to have babies later on in life, because I was perimenopausal with a a kindergartner. I was still menstruating and I was able to breastfeed him just fine, but I was going through that transition. So yes, I cannot pinpoint exactly what happened or where it went wrong or, and I can't tell you it was this hormone that dropped this percentage and it caused this behavior. I don't know. I don't know. It's all it's all speculative, but I'm letting you know that I 100% truly believe that hormones played a part in my leaving that relationship. Yes, I do. I appreciate your candor in answering that question kind of, you know, off the cuff for me, and I think your message is important for women to have a moment to pause if they're in that situation right now and their partnership isn't working. And they don't feel like themselves and their sex drive is changing and all these things. And maybe there's a chemical hormonal imbalance. And it's not that you just don't love your partner anymore. It's just that your brain is changing. So that's the only, that is the reason I shared that because it was something that I hadn't heard until recently. I'd read about this connection between our hormones and how we feel. You did a really good job of explaining to 
kind of what's going on with a physiological, um, you know, as we age. And I think, you know, the resources you have on your site obviously would be a great place if someone's feeling like, oh, ding, 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 like this sounds like it might be me. I wish I had known then what I know now. I wish I had known that the possibility of what I was feeling had nothing to do with the reality of the situation, that it had everything to do with my hormones because I would have behaved differently. I would have sought for answers. I would have sought to to solve other problems first to see if, if I could get myself to feel normal. Then if I still felt the way that I did, then take action to yeah. end the relationship. Yeah. yeah. But in hindsight, it was all mixed up into one big squirrely mess. And I, I don't know, no. but if anyone has felt that way and anyone has ended marriages or relationships because of that, and then now in hindsight, they're kicking themselves. Oh, please don't, you know, forgive yourself because it's not your bleeping fault. It really isn't. Yeah. It's not yeah. your fault. Like we both said, we don't regret the things we went through. We don't, I mean, I divorced my first husband uh, in my thirties and, or I guess I was no late twenties. And, um, I don't regret that. I don't regret any of the stuff that happened to me along the way because of where I am today. I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for being right where I am right now. And so live, I don't live with regret so we're not trying to, you know, we're not, we're not here to make you feel guilty or regret or anything. It's allowing people to have a, a potential window into some of the ways that they're feeling that actually might be possible for you to get some help. And then, like you said, deal with a situation with a more clear head and feeling more like yourself. Listen, my really good friend went through this in her very early 30s, like really severe perimenopausal symptoms. And the doctors did not believe her that she was going to the perimenopause. And she kept asking for more tests. She really thought she had like a life-threatening illness. And it took months and months and months for someone to take her seriously and to finally test her hormone levels and say, oh, you know, you're in perimenopause. I think it was over a year before she finally got Yes, that's what's happening. And now they can help you, right? And, so. and here's the yeah. deal. She wasn't sick. There was nothing wrong with her. What she was going yeah. through is normal. And that, that is my whole mission. That is the entire yeah. reason I want to normalize aging. So that there was no reason she needed to be going from doctor to doctor to doctor. It should be known. It's it, we've been on the planet a really long yeah. time, people. It's, it's just pay attention. Yeah, the dementia yeah, thing, feel- the the memory thing is a big one. Like you said, yeah. women believe they're going into their early onset dementia, and it's the symptoms. Okay, Jack. There's, I mean, there's just a wealth of information we've shared with our listeners today. Felt like a little bit of a fire hose, especially for women that are dealing with perimenopause, menopause. And that also, you know, are trying to build this gratitude practice and this gratitude muscle. So I want to thank you for that. I, you mentioned you still have your, your sheet, you know, your document with your gratitude and all that. And you've shared a lot about the ways that you practice gratitude. Is there anything that you would want to leave our listeners with about someone who has a gratitude practice and maybe just needs a little bit of a tune up or wants to step it up in a different way, or maybe something that we haven't heard before? 
Wow. I thought we covered so much. Um, and I got really trapped into what you were saying. So let me think about that. Um, I think it's important to remind yourself that it's, it's also okay to feel sorry for yourself for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I think that we don't need to be so hard on ourselves all the time to look for the gratitude in every single thing at all moments. I think it's really okay to take a moment and say, okay, I'm going to indulge in a little self-pity. I'm going to indulge in a little wound licking. That's okay. As long as you remember to get back on that gratitude practice afterwards, give yourself whatever that is. I mean, sometimes I give myself an afternoon, like I'm just going to feel sorry for myself this afternoon. And I don't care what you say, but then I know that like, I'm going to wake up the next day and everything's going to be back to normal. Yeah. And that really makes a difference to me. And also just indulging in a little bit of self-care in a little bit of woe is me. The world is a hard place right now. (laughs) You know, why is everyone picking on me for just a few moments? For me, that goes a long way. That makes that actually, it's almost like the pendulum having to swing back Mm -hmm. a little bit for it to really gain momentum onto the other side. Pretending that I'm grateful about everything all the time at hundred percent doesn't work for me. I, I oftentimes will indulge in a little bit of wound licking and then get back on it. I am not a hundred percent all the time grateful for everything. So mm. I, I, I don't know anybody. Who no. is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And people only see a small portion of who we are and how we show up in the world. And they don't see that wound licking, feel sorry for ourselves moment. And I try and share some of those moments, you know, with, with, social media and telling my stories to understand that I show up as a face, as a gratitude expert. And also, I love this was so important. Give yourself the space to feel sorry for yourself, to do the wound licking, give yourself a time limit, you know, say, yeah, like you said, this afternoon or tomorrow morning, I'll feel better. And it really often, the sleep is often, if we're sleeping well, which is another challenge of perimenopause and menopause, but that's for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Oh my That's God. A, we could, I could talk about sleep for hours it's, or the lack thereof of sleep yeah. for hours. Oh, it is. Don't even get me started on empty nest. And oh yeah. my goodness. You just, this is so much. a miraculous time in our lives, ladies, but it is also a very tumultuous time in our lives. Yeah. Beautiful. So where do we find you, Jack? Maybe we need to spell out the the name of your website to help our listeners. And there'll be podcast notes, of course. But if you're listening and you want to check it out. It's it's called Cool Life because my premise is that there's a huge chasm between mini skirts and depends, adult diapers. And that's where I believe we get to live this big, bright, cool life. However you want to define it, whatever that means for you. And cool is spelled cattywampus because I got the word from Urban Dictionary. It's a synonym for the regular cool word, but it's spelled with a K. So it's K-U-E-L life, L-I-F-E dot com. And if you go there, you will see I have over 60 women from around the world who contribute their wisdom, expertise, tips, advice, encouragement. And 
there are over 60 of them. So, and they're speaking on all of the opportunities and challenges that present themselves at this phase of life for us. So it's, it's very curated for us specifically. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jack, for your candor with me today, for your, you know, willingness to go in all kinds of different directions on this podcast and just really being of service to the listeners today. You shared a lot and I'm very grateful that you said yes to being a guest. This has been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. I'm grateful for it as well. Thanks for sticking around till the end of the podcast. I appreciate you. If you're not already following us on your favorite app, make sure you click on the check or follow podcast so you'll be alerted every time there's a new podcast episode. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help us grow, here's some easy things that you can do. You can leave a review on your favorite app. You can share this podcast with a friend and send it directly. And you can also share through social media. Feel free to tag me on any posts in your stories and I'll repost. Thank you to Paul Tedeschini for doing the post-production audio for the podcast. And one last thing, I hope you're choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.